As followers of Christ, we are faced with new norms and societal changes that may differ from our worldview. We see fads continue to shape not only our culture, but our beliefs as well. Are we following the trends of life, or are we seeking after the deeper truths which God places before us? We'll discuss these questions and more in Trend or Truth. We're coming to you from the AMP Station, our campus ministry building for Rogers State University. Here at the AMP Station, we have OGs, which are old guys and old girls, that uh, help us as the backbone of this ministry. And then we have YAs, the young adults that make up our congregation. I love this place because we have YAs that are from universe, from the university, uh, which is what our main focus of service is, but we also have tons of young adults that have already entered the non-student area of life. I'm the original OG and host of today's show, Jeff Lasornio. Today we have another OG and two YAs joining us to give a rundown of what we'll be talking about on future episodes of this podcast. First, I'd like to inter- introduce an OG, Wes Hostler, uh, Church of the Nazarene Student Ministries pastor. He's an AMP OG and facilitator of the AMP Apologetics Discussion Group on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Sub Zorn. Well, you know, man. Good to see you here, man. So next is uh, a member of Church on the Move. Uh, he's also on our AMP leadership team and actually is uh, the Trend or Truth podcast producer, uh, content creator, all the stuff that goes into making this, he's a huge part of. He wrote our intro. He wrote our outro. So we're really proud of him for that. And that's Mason Phillips. What's up? Good to see you, brother. Then next, we have a, a member of Real Life Church. He's also on the AMP leadership team, and if we had associate pastors, that's probably what he would be considered. Um, but he also is a, a pitcher at the at the university for Rogers State, uh, left-handed pitcher, my favorite, um, Corey Murphy. How are we doing? Good. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you. So what we want to do is uh, on this, we're going to talk about some of the tough things. Uh, uh, one of the things that we're going over this week is just kind of show people what this broadcast is going to be about. Um, and it's about, uh, you know, living biblical, a biblical life in this time of social acceptance. Um, so just to start out, you know, what is, what is social acceptance? What, what do we mean by that? Uh, social acceptance is, is doing whatever it takes to, uh, a plea, appease or please the current paradigm. Um, as humans, we seek validity in, in whatever we do. And, and so I think we want to fit in with whatever is the social norm at that point. Yeah, it, it's not always peer pressure, but it's definitely trying to fit in with the community that you're surrounded by. So um, where is the, the, the line that we draw between loving people that are living in that, that social acceptance and then staying within our own biblical principles? The first response has to be prayer. Um, before we try to come up with any answers, we need to go to the one that has all of the answers. Um, and then if you're, if you're dealing with a Christian that's, that's suffering, um, living in this social acceptance, then I think you do what we do here. You know, you, you love on that person. You, you talk to them about it. You don't ever sugarcoat the, the meaning of, of what Jesus has to say about that personal issue or, and then you grow together. You just continue to walk with them and continue to, uh, try to pour heart, pour into them and, uh, just pray with them and share the gospel. Uh, and usually that's going to benefit both parties because if I go to help you, you're probably going to have something that's going to help me. Yeah, I heard uh, uh, Craig Rochelle's been talking about this a lot. Like they'll do anything short of sin to yeah. uh, be in somebody's life and to try and lead them to Christ. And I think that's what we have to do too. You know, Romans 12, uh, 9 and 10 says, Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. And I think there's uh, there's a lot of value in that. I think uh, really showing somebody that you have a personal interest in in their life and what's going on with them, I think helps people and it, it, it encourages an environment of vulnerability that that can really help get through issues. Mm. I love that, Wes. You're um you're really involved in student ministries both here and at, at Church on the Nazarene. Uh, uh, what what's the church's role in this? Murph got into a little bit about it, but in your in your mind, what what do you see, uh, especially here in AMP? Also, what what do you see as our role in this? I really loved what he was saying in that we can't pretend. Um, a lot of times, uh, people put on um, a different sort of attitude that's fake or whatever to. Um, mask what's going on in in reality there's a lot of bad stuff and we you know in the church sometimes try not to acknowledge things being negative or 
bad or whatever and everything's supposed to be uh super happy and and joyful and and all these other things but if we're being real you know with people we have to acknowledge that there's things going on in their lives that that aren't positive that are not something to be excited about and so being real with people in the midst of what they're going through and relating to that uh, in a way that's authentic because we have to let them know that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to face things, right. you know, face a crisis or something like that that's really going to test your faith. And so I would just say um, in this situation, uh, what are some of the things that they're dealing with in life when it comes to social acceptance that causes them to want to be fake? You know, because sometimes we're trying to compare ourselves with other people in social media or whatever, and it all really stems out of fear. Uh, You know, whether it's anxiety or some of the other uh, responses to uh, peer pressure, like Mason said, uh, comparisons and trying to meet expectations of the people around us or the society around us can, can really cause us to be superficial and to be something that we're not. And we don't want to mirror that in the church. Right. We right. want to be ourselves. We want to be the person that God created us to be. And I think that helps. I think people are looking for something real. And for us uh, as the church, we have to model that and, and not just talk about it. So uh, one of the questions that we kind of come up with, we all kind of got together and, and developed these questions and um why are people that believe in a guy named Jesus called Christians in the first place? I think the simple answer for that was he was defined as the Christ in the gospel, and so anybody that considers themselves a disciple of Jesus is automatically placed with that label of Christian. I think we have to kind of look into the old history of it because uh, Old Testament, you're looking at Judaism, and then there's this split to where it's Judaism and then Christianity, and um us believing that Jesus is the Messiah, Christian meaning little Christ, we're, we're seeking after the person who Jesus was, and we're seeking after that perfection uh, of who Jesus is. And even though we'll never get to that point until we meet him face to face, we're still going, uh, going forward with an attitude of betterment and an attitude of uh, dying to self. And so really, I see the word Christian as, as an, it's not a description to me, it's my identity. Um, it's who I, I strive to be. It's who I want people to know I am first and foremost, more than I want people to know that I pitch at RSU or more than I want people to know that uh, I'm six foot tall. I want people to know that I am a Christ follower. Right, right. Really good. I think the first, first question most people would have to answer from the outside looking in, if you've never been to church or, you know, in any religion whatsoever, like they're saying, who is the historical Jesus, Right. And I think with anybody that's looking uh, to really know who Jesus is, they need to go to a reliable source. They need to research, you know, uh, you could even go to history.com and read an article about whether or not Jesus was just a myth. Uh, And what you read is that Jews and Romans alike who had zero interest in spreading propaganda that would prove the existence of Jesus agree that he was real and that he was executed by Roman officials. So, I mean, the next step is exactly what Murph was saying, is that you have to figure out his true identity, and the sources will be all over the place. Was he who he said he was? I mean, was, was right. he the Jewish Messiah, or in Greek, the Christ? And, and for me, you're going to listen to specific people that you trust. That's just the way we are and we're trying to find reliable sources about questions that we really want to know the answer to. And I love what C.S. Lewis said. Uh, if you read Mere Christianity, he says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. And that is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man... Uh, said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic uh, on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. 
You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Wow. It's pretty deep. Yeah. yeah. It's profound. It is. I didn't even have to go, <clears throat> on that one. I, I, I actually got it, so that's really good. Well, it's because it was C.S. Lewis, not yeah, West. That's true. Thank true. You. I'll just read quotes from him. From now. Yeah, there you go. I love it. I love it. Uh, so one of my things is, uh, you know, all the time here people say I'm blessed and highly favored and, uh, you know, I've got all these phrases. Um, and it, I, this question to me was just like, I was like, why is this question even on there? And then I started researching what it was to be blessed and, and it got me excited about the question. So, uh, what does it mean to be blessed? For me, like as an athlete, you know, everybody always says like you see a post game interview with with somebody who pitched a complete game or hit the game winning home run, scored the winning touchdown, whatever. They you say, you know, I'm just blessed to be here. I'm blessed to be in this spot, and that that is true. Uh, but we can also be blessed with persecution. See, in my mind, blessing is relative to your objective. Um, if your objective is growth in Christ, then persecution and um, pressure and resistance is going to produce that. So, I mean, you look at the Acts Church, uh, I mean, Paul rejoiced in prison. And then you look at the Acts Church, when they uh, faced threats, they they prayed through those threats, and they weren't praying for the threats to go away. They were praying for boldness to go through them, because they know that growth was going to come out of it. Uh, and I think we have a skewed v- view of what blessed is, just because we seek comfort, not Jesus. So, as a, as a Christian, Blessed in my mind is anything that's going to help grow my relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would go off of like what's going on now. I mean, most people wouldn't look at our situation as a blessing, but now we're we have more opportunity to connect with the people in our direct lives in our homes that maybe we were separated from because of work or we were so busy or just because we were so consumed with what was going on. And now a lot of our plans have changed, so we're forced to grow with each other and. I, it's definitely helped me a lot with my family relationships. And uh, I think it's just depending on how you look at it as to what determines a blessing. Okay. I, love, I love that you said that because, uh, I, and looking for this, I was looking at different articles and things. And Sarah Walton uh, with unlockingthebible.org had an article and it, and it was talking about how blessing isn't always comfortable things. It's not always the good things. How do we have... Uh, you know, she talked about having some uh, health issues of her own, having a child with some disabilities. Did that mean that they were outside of God's blessing because of that or or what? And she wrote this um, that I want to share with you. It, it says, therefore, I find it enlightening that even in the English dictionary, the primary definition of the term blessing is not wealth or comfort, but rather being made holy. Since we are made holy through salvation in Jesus Christ, in essence, the truest form of being blessed is to be made aware of our wretched state, led to repentance, sanctified for holiness, and to one day receive the crown of righteousness. Righteousness, All other blessing, earthly blessings should greatly compel in comparison to this. I just really thought that was a super uh, well put, well thought out uh, way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. In my mind, kind of going off the coronavirus thing, uh, just I know in my own personal life, a lot I've seen a lot of people... Uh, with with this going on, every church is going to live stream, and that it, what could be on Facebook, on YouTube, uh, a streaming service, whatever. But you go you go to Facebook and start scrolling through on a Sunday morning, you're going to see uh, hundreds of of different sermons from different people uh, putting it out there going live. And just in my life, I know of six or six or seven people that have logged onto that and have watched a full sermon and these are people that never would have stepped foot in a church otherwise and i think that god is using what everybody is seeing as a tragedy and turning it into blessing because his kingdom is moving forward uh honestly i see it as he's intervening and doing the things that the christians wouldn't do and he's reaching people that never would have been reached if this hadn't happened i would argue that our community is actually growing stronger because of it which is uh kind of representative of the acts church when uh, all the persecution happened, and they were they were like, "Well, we need to scram mm-hmm. from this," and it ended up spreading the gospel even faster than what anyone could have imagined. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, why does why does living a Christian life seem more difficult than a normal life? Then, 
if we've got Jesus and we've got blessing? I think you have to look at Jesus's life. Uh, Matthew ten twenty two says, "And all nations will hate you because you are my followers, but everyone who endures to the end will be saved." Uh, it is harder. It, it looks harder, and it, it it's more. It does seem more difficult because it is, it is more difficult, and it's because your flesh seeks acceptance. Talking, going back to that social acceptance thing we're talking about, your flesh seeks after that, and so d- denial requires rejection, and rejection hurts, and we don't like to hurt, but social acceptance feels good. And so you have to fight off uh, what your fleshly body is going to want. Uh, but the joy always outweighs the hurts. But It's kind of an extreme on both ends. Yeah, it's going to hurt and it's going to be more difficult to be a Christian, but the joy outweighs everything. Uh, you get to write a new story every day. Uh, no matter what wall you're trying to climb, you don't have to carry that or anything you've done in, on your, in your past on your shoulders because Jesus carried the cross on his shoulders. And so just that overwhelming joy that you have uh, in day-to-day things that normal people wouldn't see as a big deal, you just have so much joy in it, and, and it just makes things, it frees you up. So I think you could definitely tie in <clears throat> the blessing part of it, or the the blessed understanding that you see in Matthew 5 when you're looking at you know the uh, intro there to the Sermon on the Mount he's talking about blessed are these groups of people and it's because they don't place you know their priorities or their values or anything they consider to be success in life on money or, or all these other things and it's about trusting God for what they need and so it's it's in the the crisis, like we just talked about several times. It's it's when we see our need for God, and we see that that relationship is the only thing that's going to sustain us through periods in life. And Jesus was just saying, "Be glad that you're not, you know, rich. Be glad that you don't have all these material things that people, you know, get dependent on. Be glad that you're looking to God for, you know, everything that should sustain you." Yeah, we serve uh, in Costa Rica quite a bit. Um, take uh, missions teams there. My wife's led a missions teams there, team there for the last four or five years. And, you know, you go into those places where they don't have anything. I mean, they literally have dust floors, dirt floors. Uh, they, they have zero as far as, uh, you know, amenities and things. They cook outside. Um, and But their joy is, is obvious. I mean, it's, it's just so easy to see how happy their lives are. Um, and it's not because they have everything it's it's because they're it's simpler it's it's a simpler way of living it's a simpler life and a lot of them that we see either have christ or they know that we're representing christ and trying to bring uh, a little light into their situation and it's just amazing to see that so we've gone through a little bit of the uh the social acceptance Uh, we've talked about some of the tough questions that we that we wanted to discuss Um, but the meat the the real thing is is this thing called biblical truth. Um, so if you guys could just give me kind of your little synopsis of what you believe biblical truth to be. For me, it's uh, the Bible specifically states that this is the true word of God. This is how he has instructed us to live our lives, and this is how, as Christians, we should strive for the things that, uh, the way Jesus lived, the way that he instructed us to live. Not because they're rules, Per se, but because it helps us to strengthen our relationship with God and our relationships with people, and so I would just say that rather than following the the trends of the world, it's better to follow the truths of the Bible because even though they may be hard at times, they're still right and they're still the things that help us to love in spite of ourselves. Really good, and we all know that this isn't a competition, but beat that Wes <laughs> <laughs> well this is where you get ready to do the uh, yeah, the NASCAR sound right I'm there. ready for it I'm ready for it so the Greek word for truth is aletheia and it was synonymous for reality because it was considered to be the opposite of illusion and I think that's a big deal uh, and just kind of some insight uh, when we're trying to figure out what Jesus means when he says the word truth because I think that's important for us to focus on is like in John 18 we've all seen that uh, scene in the passion of the Christ where Pilate is trying to get Jesus to defend himself and this is the conversation that they have Pilate says 
Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? And Jesus answers, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, So you are a king? Jesus responded, You say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize what I say is true. And of course, dramatic music, Pilate asked, what is truth? So I think the question most people, including Pilate, are asking is truth relative. I mean, if, if you're talking about science or math, then it's an easy question to answer with facts and proof. But there are some questions we ask in life that can't be measured the same way. And so I think any of us are genuinely asking, is there anything more significant or absolute than just personal opinion, right? And so the short answer is really uh, this question for me is, who do you trust to tell you the truth, right? Is that uh, illusion is probably the key to understand where Jesus was going with the conversation because there's no question that he believed that there is an enemy of the human race. And that adversary of humanity is constantly deceiving people into making decisions that have uh, both temporary and eternal consequences. So uh, I just settle with this, is that everybody's going to listen to someone else when they want answers in life. And I think this ties into that other question or that other statement, really, the Murph made is like, where's your identity? Yeah. Where, where, where do you find truth as part of who you are? And if you find your identity in Christ, that's where you're going to look for truth. So you guys know a little bit about my story, and, and I, I've always told you guys I was a, I was a master just, justifier. I could justify anything. And I used to talk about the Bible having gray areas. Uh, Murph, you and I have many awesome conversations about biblical truths. Um, so kind of, I want to kind of hear your take on this too because you've, you've given me some real uh, good info on, on what biblical truth is to you. To me, uh, you kind of have to go a little bit into the next question, which I don't want to do that, but for me, biblical truth is when I was when I first became a Christian, I honestly thought that a lot of the Bible was like stories. I didn't think it was real, and like they were all parables or something, yeah, or, thought, or, or representations of something, yeah, yeah or exaggerations. Mm. And so I I immediately start looking into that because I start hearing people talk about like uh, Jesus actually turning water into wine or him really walking on water, and so I was like. What? And so I started to kind of look into that, and and I think that's what doubt does, is I think it drives us to search for something and try to find the truth. And so I start looking into that, and then I watched the movie God's Not Dead, and I heard the story of uh, a CSI detective who, the way that they solve cold cases is they take witnesses, and if these two witnesses come onto the stand and they tell the exact same story, then they automatically know it's a fabricated story. It's not real. So it's actually a part of the human brain that's, uh, they've done a lot of study on it and they haven't quite figured it out why, but if you and I see this exact same thing, then we're going to have different viewpoints of what happened. Sure. And so you're going to tell a story and then when I tell my part of the story, some of the details that I include in my story are going to... Uh, complete what you were saying in the story and that then i looked at the gospels and the csi detective that was on god's not dead he talked about that and if you look at the gospels um i think it's in mark i think it's mark and john or mark and luke one or the other uh but mark says uh that when jesus was arrested he was hit by one of the guards and they said prophesy to us who hit you well off the, like when you read that, you think, well, that's that's just them making fun of him. Why would you even say, prophesy to us who hit you? Well, then you go over and you read Luke, and you find out that he was blindfolded when that happened. And so then it kind of connects the two stories together, and that you can't fabricate that kind of story. That That is human part of the brain that that only happens when you two actually witness the same thing. And so then I immediately made that connection in my head of this is real. And then you start to look into more who Jesus is and what goes on uh, in the Gospels and what he talks about. And 
the more I searched, the more and the more I just my faith just built, and the more and the more I I just found it to be true, and and to me biblical truth is the word of God. With that being said, should we doubt the Bible? Well, I, I think that ties into the truth is that faith changes our source of wisdom and authority. And, and, and without the Bible, what record of, you know, our relationship with God and with Jesus and every, everything that we know about who God is as Jewish people or Christians is the Bible, right? Right. Everything yeah. We, yeah. we know. I mean, the, the, the written record um, in all its literary forms uh, is what establishes us uh, as a single group of people. It unifies us. I'd be lying if I said I didn't have doubts about it in the past, and even now I, I still have questions about what it says, but I don't doubt that it's the truth. I just kind of, I'd say the better way to put it is I don't always understand what it's saying, but rather I do accept it now, but I can understand why somebody would because a lot of this is, it can go over your head at times and either you don't understand it or you can, like you said, it can be exaggerated at times and uh, at least that's how it's perceived. Right. And uh, so I wouldn't say that we should. But uh, I definitely say that it does happen. It's an understandable thing. I, today, didn't uh, Pastor Oakley say something about how uh, an exaggeration is a lie? And a lie and, is a sin. And, and lies a sin, and so God cannot lie, mm-hmm. and so he's not going to exaggerate in the Bible. So go ahead with what and, you were going to say. And I think what, what he said was profound when he said, uh, I still have questions. Because there's a difference between a question and a doubt. Mm-hmm. If you're doubting that it's true, you might have uh, a little bit of soul-searching to do about where your faith lies and, and maybe have a talk with a pastor or something about that. But having questions is completely normal. And I think we're always going to have questions because we can never fully understand the character of God and everything that he, he does. You know, people always say like, well, why does, why do good things happen to bad people or bad things happen to good people and and things like that. And that's stuff that we can never fully understand because we can't see everything that he does. So having questions isn't a a problem in my mind uh, because like I said earlier, I think that, strives you to look for answers. And when you look for answers from a biblical standpoint, your faith's going to grow and your relationship's going to grow closer with Christ. Um, so I don't think Christians should doubt the Bible, um, but I do think it's healthy even for us to question it. This is going to show you why I uh, probably am not the highest, most qualified guy for what I do. But uh, I think doubt is okay sometimes because, like you said towards the end there, doubt leads to... Um, questioning doubt i mean doubt leads to seeking the answer a lot of times especially if you're a christ follower um i believe that uh that sometimes that can um lead to seeking the answers on a on a greater level um i think that that pushes you to especially if you believe in the bible and the things that it says as the truth even when because i i just don't think we can help but have doubt sometimes um I, I would I believe I believe God can heal any person any time from any affliction. I believe He could vanquish this coronavirus right now with just a snap of His finger if that's what He wanted to do. But there's a reason that He's not, you know. And and I have a tiny bit of doubt, a tiny bit of doubt. Maybe not that He can, but that He will. And that that's where most of my doubt comes from. Is 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 it the will, you know? And and we all know that's a huge word to. Uh, to talk about was that a video like uh yeah i mean this is just one video that i've used from impact 360 institute which it's a really good one and it goes right along with what both of you are saying in that if we're seeking the truth we're going to question things because there are going to be things that don't make sense to us in terms of whether it's you know uh cultural or historical context and we're going to have to really look at those things because the faith that God wants us to have is not blind faith. It's trying to wrestle with things we don't understand and try to figure out where the actual truth is on, you know, everything that we read. And so uh, 
I would encourage you to watch this video. It's titled, Should Christians Have Doubts? And it's by Impact360 on YouTube. And it's a great way to explain how each one of us go through that process of trying to seek the truth genuinely and not allow what we hear people say about the Bible um, to uh, easily let us settle on something. Because we shouldn't. We should check it against God's Word and not just believe what somebody says because they could be wrong. Sure, sure. Um, Okay, so... uh this is this was my favorite question, um, just because this is what we deal with on a day to day basis inside the amp station. This is this is what um, we struggle, uh, not struggle with, but we struggle with. We know the answer, and we want everybody to have it, but for some reason they don't receive it the way that we wanted them to receive it, and that is uh, some biblical truths that tend to get distorted. Um, and we all kind of come up with a list of, I don't know if they're the top five or anything, because I don't even know if there's five of them. There may be more or fewer, but um, they're, they're ones that I thought were, we kind of thought were really good. Um, I kind of threw one in at the end on you guys. I don't know if you guys noticed mm-hmm. that, but uh, kind of snuck one in on there to, for you. Uh, but so the first one was, well, Jesus just wants me to be happy, right? I mean, that's, that's all he wants for us is he mm-hmm. just wants us to be happy, right? Is that a biblical truth? Well, or is that a, is a distortion a little bit? What is happy? Are we going to start singing the song? <laughs> There's too many of them. Oh, okay. In my mind, I think Jesus wants you to follow him, uh, and that's going to bring joy, but it's not always going to bring happiness. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah you're going to you're going to miss joy pursuing happiness because happiness disappear disappears with the change of circumstance. You're going to miss joy. Pursuing happiness. Is that going on the pastor app? Because that needs to be there. So uh, you're gonna, you're copy gonna, and paste, put it in there because I'm going to steal that. You'll miss joy pursuing That's happiness good. because it dis- happiness disappears with a change of a circumstance, but joy remains constant through every circumstance. So, uh, and the, I think that's a, a big problem even in the church today, but especially in America today is we're chasing happiness. And mm-hmm. happiness is comfortability in a lot of our minds. Yep. If we're comfortable, then we're happy. Uh, but God calls us to go beyond our bounds and we're still going to have our joy in that but we might not be happy through it but joy trumps happiness every day of the week joy regardless of the circumstance i love that yep. coronavirus <laughs> right isn't that it <laughs> yeah when I, anytime i've chased joy in the past it's uh definitely been more miserable <laughs> than it had right, i not right or chased happiness rather than joy uh so yeah but uh i have a scripture pulled up for that uh james one Two through three, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Mm. So he's telling us. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say the biblical truth right there is he's telling us to take joy in the trial. That's that's not saying he just wants us to be happy. Would you guys agree with that? And he's saying that joy is going to produce fruit. Joy is going to produce perseverance. The, the, the fruit of happiness is, is comfortability. It's kind of a, I don't know what you, Wes, what do you call that when it just goes in a circle? Like it never ends? No, Come on, so, you know you got a word we're never going to know. I, I, you've got me just like, totally dumbfounded on this comfortability, one. Comfortability, you seek happiness well, well, happiness leads to comfortability, and comfortability leads to happiness, and it's a never-ending, yeah, never, endless cycle. Endless cycle. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So it's it's an endless cycle, but joy is going to produce fruit in your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I think that's like wisdom that anyone can take away, and and I I think that's important that we recognize that anyone can see a lot of the Bible as uh, wisdom for every human being on the planet, whether you're a believer or not. Now, we're, we're going to have uh, this tendency as Christians to not question it as much. We can see, you know, uh, the inspiration of God in the words, and, and um, you know, the, we, we make assumptions about the Bible that other people don't. But like we've said before in our uh, small group is that wisdom comes from experience, Right. And so James is obviously speaking from experience when he says, you know, when you face adversity in life, it's going to produce some good things. It's like you have to be challenged to grow when you do anything in life. And, and if we're not, you know, then we stay infants. And, and, and <laughs> nobody wants to, to see 40-year-old infants in this world because 
guess what? They don't do anything for society. They don't uh, uh, produce good things. Why like Murph look saying. at me when you said that? <laughs> right. I don't get it. But yeah, I mean, this is this is wisdom that transcends religion, or you know, somebody that's an outsider. Uh, this is all good stuff that it speaks volumes about who we are as human beings. It's the human condition that we want to stay comfortable. We want to do things the easy way. But the fact is, is that we're not going to grow unless we face yeah. challenges. Right. Yep. It's just like when you work out without resistance, you're never going to grow. Right. You have to experience the pain to experience the growth. Yeah. No pain, no gain, baby. That's yeah. right. I was waiting for somebody to say it. <laughs> I got beat because I couldn't think of it. Didn't I? So, uh, uh, what about this next one? Um, God doesn't want all of me. He just wants a part of me. Mark twelve thirty, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So you must love God with some of your heart, some of your mind, and some of your strength? Is that what Absolutely you just said? Absolutely not. All of it. Okay. And, and that, that means that you can't give your God your Sunday morning and then do it alone on Monday. It but, means is, you, but isn't that just talking about my love? It's not talking about my actions, right? Um, no. It's not? <laughs> no. But do you see what I'm saying? I mean, I, that's how I used to. I love him with all my heart, and all my soul, and all my mind. What What's the difference? It, it probably is the action, isn't it? Love is action. Yeah. If Jesus just loved you and stayed up in heaven and didn't come down and die on the cross, then oh well, he loved you, but he didn't put any of it into action. Nice. Love requires action. Nice, that's um, good. And so it, that scripture that means we we can't give him our problems and not give him our outcomes. We can't give him our Sunday morning and not give him our Monday. We we can't give him part of us and expect results. Love requires all of it. You have to go all in. Is, is there any any part of you that that kind of thinks like I do? Where because here's my thing: is I'm like I'm terrified that if I don't give him my all, I'm only going to get a part of him. And it's not it's not what he promises me. It's what I'm it's what I'm kind of blocking out or what I'm kind of pushing aside. Does that make sense at all? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of this can also be attributed to that. God is not chasing our, our habits, but he's chasing our, after a relationship with us rather. So he says, he's always going to be there. He's never going to forsake us. He's never going to leave us. But I think sometimes we feel like we have to achieve his approval for that. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's relationship. Exactly what Mason said. And, I mean, if you're talking about any relationship um, and you want to be tight with that person where there's nothing you can't talk about, you can trust that person uh, with your you know, worst problems or darkest secrets or whatever it is. I mean, the word I'm going for here is intimacy, and we're not talking about you know, sexual right, stuff right. in any way, shape, or form. But it's where you are so close to that person that nobody else knows you like they do yeah. and so that's really what god is is going for here he wants you to trust him uh and, and be able to come to him in a close way without fear or or uh concern that he's going to you know i told you so you didn't listen to me you know all those things that some people uh try to uh, push when they talk about the character of God, and it's just not true. Is it? He's he wants people to see him as approachable, and that there's nothing that we've ever done uh, that could you know prevent him from loving us, and there's nothing that we can uh, um, do to earn it either. I mean, it's this this whole idea that God wants to be more than this distant uh, spiritual being that's up there, um, you know, sort of looking down, you know, in a both metaphorical and a real way on people that, that he wants to be involved in your life, every single aspect of it. And once we get that, once we can wrap our minds around it, then it, it, it opens us up to a new way of life. And, and it's only us that puts up that wall or that barrier and prevents us from living the life that Jesus talked about. I'll show you how spiritually immature I am because it reminds me of, um, you know, those buzzword games when you play and like, uh, like my wife and I, my kids get frustrated because we're playing a game where we, we known each other since we were kids. And so I can be like that one time she'll go tree, you know, and, and could you imagine if you had, uh, I mean, can you imagine God playing that with God? You'd just be like that, 
treat you know he he knows everything so it would be we're in that relationship where we know him and he knows us and and it just gives you that that different level of intimacy that you're talking about that's just uh you're 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 known and he's known and everything and the power and strength becomes more evident um the promises become more of a reality rather than just for somebody else or for somebody else's situation you know it's uh it becomes relevant for me you know and stuff so I love it. I love it. So uh, you kind of had a good point there that um, segued to the next question, which was uh, community, you know, relationship. Um, And so the next question was, so, so, I mean, I don't really have to go to church to be a Christian, right? I can, I can be a Christian and not go to church. Is that, is that an accurate statement? Is that not a biblical truth is that a distortion that's a distortion for sure because i mean you go to look into hebrews and it says don't forsake the gathering of believers that's what everybody usually goes to but i kind of want to go into into acts because that's that's the first generation church that's uh right after jesus ascended into heaven and that's what uh that's when people were growing that's when the kingdom was growing uh people five thousand in one day and so in acts they craved and they valued that fellowship um and they met every single day. And I, it, for me personally, if I don't have that fellowship, then I'm going to be more inclined for my fire to dampen. Because um, I love getting around other believers and I love talking about things, uh, kind of like what we're doing now. I, I just love having conversation, uh, finding different uh, avenues to explore. Uh, I can talk to different people and they're going to have different wisdom for me, f- uh, for what I'm going through. Uh, and it just, it just strengthens your faith all around. And I think if you forsake that, then you are missing out on the body of Christ because it says in his word that we're a body. And if you're not active in the body, then the king, the whole kingdom is missing out because if your hand doesn't work, then you're disabled. Mm-hmm. And so to be active in the body uh, is going to be not only better for you and grow your walk in Christ, but it's going to be better for the entire kingdom of God, and it's going to be able to function more uh, efficiently. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm a naturally introverted person, so this whole but this whole self isolation thing is actually kind of killing me inside because I've become more accustomed to being around people uh, lately. In the last couple of years, I'm getting more outside of myself, and especially separating myself from my church community has been really hard because. There's people I want to talk to and want to live life with, but it's become a little harder to do that now with our current circumstances. Yeah, I mean, but think about your role in this. I mean, this podcast is brand new for us. We've always wanted to do something like this. I mean, we really have for years, um, but just haven't had the time. So the coronavirus pushed us to do start doing more things and, and it sped it up. Uh, created a little bit more uh, cash to do it because we're not feeding as many people and things like that. Um, but you're the one that's set all this up. You're the one that did the intro. You did the outro. You're the guy that's going to have to do the the edit that I just blew. Uh, you know, uh, but that's that's a that's a important body part of Christ. You know that we got to have people that'll stand up in front, and we've got to have people that will mix it in the back. We've got to have people that will edit it and send it out. We've got to have all those things. They're super important. There's none of it. We've got to have someone that'll that'll jump on the trash. You know, haul it out and stuff. I mean, that that's all very important. And and I think God values all of those things. So, uh, so I love that. Wes, do you have anything on that at all? Or well, and I, I hate to do a plug for our Thursday night apologetic small group. <laughs> Um, but is that at seven o'clock on Thursday nights on yes, by Zoom it's right at now? Seven o'clock. Okay, all right. and I just want to check. So, I, I'm not ashamed to plug it. So. <laughs> I, you know, after last Thursday night, I've really tried to think about what to talk about next to sort of bring everything together. We're talking about Acts 15, uh, and really the Book of Acts in general, and how the Old and the New Covenant have to come together. And so as I'm thinking about this, it blows my mind that um, all the passages, or a few of the passages, I should say, come from 2 Corinthians. You did one on a Sunday night where you did 2 Corinthians 4. I talked about 2 Corinthians 4, uh, just a little bit out of order. And, and it's just been reinforcing what Paul was talking about with community. And... Um, I mean, think about it. The last five letters of the word community are what? Unity. 
So you were counting in your head, weren't yes, you? Yes, I was, 100%. <laughs> okay. I was about to give you a new, or I was going to figure it the out. The T. I was probably going to just say itty, because I <laughs> couldn't think of the U part. So. Okay, I've got to talk here. Don't mean throwing those jokes out. I'm just going to lose it. <laughs> so unity absolutely is so essential for us to function as the church. And no other church had as many problems than the church at Corinth. And so Paul, you know, wrote two letters to them to try to get them to mesh, to try to get them to work together as a team. And it's 1 Corinthians 12, where Murph was just talking about the body of Christ and functioning in, functioning in a complementary way. And so he goes through all of these things, and, and in several parts, he has to get a little tough with them and say, you guys are all trying to do your own thing here, and it's never going to work out. And you know, but unity. I mean, uh, we have to work together and everybody has a part to play. And if we forget that, if we try to um, think that our particular role is more important than someone else's, uh, it's going to mess up this being synced up and being in harmony and all that other stuff. And, and I think this goes all the way back to, you know, Genesis and how God created things to work together. Well, and when people reach out to me for a uh you know, they're just in a tough time or tough situation. I always ask them a couple of things. And the first thing is, are you praying? You know, that, that's, that's huge. Um, and then the next thing is, are you reading your Bible? Um, and then the next thing is always, are you around other believers? Are you, are you around your Christian community? Because it's very tough to get that down when you're around your Christian brothers and sisters. It really is. Um, and I don't think the amp station is different than any other, uh, Christian organization. I, th- I think when you surround yourself with your brothers and sisters, you look at things differently. You start to see things uh, through God's lens rather than your own lens. And, and and sometimes it takes those people to bring that about, to talk to you about it. Sometimes it's just about being in the presence and, and love of those people who are sharing God's love. Um, so that's always a, a huge thing, I think, and, and part of the three questions that I usually ask somebody. So, um, the next one is, uh, you know, because I'm saved, Jesus loves me, so I can do whatever I want. He's going to give me forgiveness anyway. He promises that. Um, so what do you think about that? You know, it kind of goes that thing uh, a lot of people will say, well, once saved, always saved. I'm, I'm already been taken care of, so I can still do what I want, right? I mean, I'm, I'm going to heaven, so what does it matter? And uh, I think once you do it, go from that point of view, you're really losing sight of what it means to be a Christian. You're not focused on the relationship anymore. You really didn't uh, commit your life to Christ. You just kind of said a prayer, and it didn't really mean anything. So, I mean, I would argue against that philosophy. In John 14, 15, it says, uh, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And and I think that it's kind of like what he was saying. You didn't really step into a relationship. I mean, that'd be like uh you walking up to your uh significant other and being like hey uh i know we're married i know we're in a relationship but uh i'm going to go out and cheat on you about once a week and like you're cool with that right and obviously god is is way more forgiving and way more grace than any other any person could be but once you step into that relationship with Jesus, you don't want those things anymore. He really, it's taking off the old man and putting on the new. And you're going to be transformed, uh, like Romans 12, you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so you're not going to, your heart is going to be, you're going to be after God's heart. You're going to want to please God with the things that you do. And so that ex- that's really just an excuse that lost Christians use because they want the, hell, the hellfire insurance. Murph and I have been reading uh, Follow Me by David Platt, and I don't think he uses this uh, terminology, but it's kind of something that I think I picked up. Maybe he did, and if he did, he's got credit now. But um, I I call it the the three-phrase way to salvation. It's it's this, you know, I know God sent his son to die for me. I know that he died, and now you become Lord of my life. Um, or something along those lines, usually some kind of three phrases that you pray. And he talks about, and Mason kind of touched on it, about that not necessarily being a biblical thing and about it not, um, you know, maybe not being a true salvation. 
Maybe um, a distorted biblical truth. Maybe a distorted <laughs> biblical truth. Very nice. Um, but, and I, I, when he said that, man, my mind just like went, went bonkers because I did that three phrase uh, salvation when I was 18 years old. I turned away. Now, I, I truly believed that I was saved. Um, and I turned away. And this time, I didn't say any phrases. I just started living for God. I, I, and he says his, his ultimate, because you're kind of like, okay, well, you, you told me where I messed up. Now tell me how to get it right, you know? And he takes forever to do it, but he finally gets to the point, and it's, and it's repentance. It's truly turning away from your sin um, and, and, and going the way that God wants you to go. And I, that's what I feel like I did this time, and I feel so much different about my salvation. I feel I don't, I don't question it at all anymore. Now I live a different life, so I know that, that would make it easier. Um, but it kind of goes along with this. I, I don't think uh, that I truly felt like I was going to heaven when I was living this other life, even though I should have had salvation by what some people would say. Well, you know, you mentioned forgiveness, you know, because God loves us unconditionally and he's always going to forgive us and all those other things. But um, if you've really looked at what Jesus said, you know, in depth, you realize that there's a difference between forgiveness and restoration. You know what I'm saying? And that's, yeah. that's with yeah, any definitely. relationship is that you can forgive a person and never be reconciled. Right. Them. And so what we're talking about here is a restoration of a relationship with our creator. And so in that, if we're wanting to have a restored relationship and you can compare it to other relationships in your life, somebody does something to harm the relationship to harm you maybe specifically what transpires to put things back the way that they used to be and sometimes that's a matter of trust of course but how is that trust going to be rebuilt if if you don't you know say i'm sorry in an authentic way and then back that up with the way that you interact right. with that person after that point you know what i'm saying yeah there definitely. has to be proof to that person that you are genuinely sad about whatever it is you did and the way that you interact with them from that time on will demonstrate that. There's got to so. be a repentant uh, behavior to exactly. that, to that yeah. offense or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's good. And the Bible also says that there's no forgiveness without repentance. So you can, you can claim to live, uh, I'm saved so I can do what I want. Well, you're living outside of God's will and, he's still going to love you like he you're you'll never do anything to make him not love you and you'll never do anything to earn it either but until there's repentance there can't be forgiveness very nice mm -hmm. it's good okay so now the real tough one um i don't maybe it's not as tough as i think it is but it's one of the things that i think oftentimes gets left or pushed to the side and that's a uh, you know i love this person i know i'm going to marry him so Sex is okay then, right? I mean, God know God knows my heart about this person, and and I plan on I plan on making everything uh, right with marriage here in the short future. So sex is okay. I think you kind of have to uh, go back to what we were talking about earlier about whether or not you believe the Bible is truth, um, because he's very clear in his word about about that about this situation. Um, and we as as humans, we want to form the Bible and justify what we're doing. We want to form it into whatever fits what we want. And so, I mean, everybody plays this game with God. Uh, and it, it isn't just about this either. It's about anything. Well, I can, I can do this because you didn't outright say it was wrong. And, and it, the, way, the best way I've heard it explained is if you ask yourself, would Jesus would Jesus do this? Would I do this in front of Jesus? And would he be okay with it? And if the answer is no, then well, you got your answer. And so I think it's just it's justification of of our flesh because it's what our flesh wants, and we will do anything to try to justify that to make ourselves feel better. Right. I think I'm going to have to defer to Murph on this one just for the fact that there is so much in this to talk about. I mean, it's really going to involve in-depth understanding about all these different components of what we're talking about. First, what, what does marriage mean? Um, 
what does love mean and all these different things that uh, I think, in other words, I can really understand where a lot of people are coming from in current relationships and what they consider to be uh, a monogamous relationship where they really love someone and they don't have any intention of being with anyone else. But again, what does scripture say about it? And, and where do you uh, find your authority and wisdom about not just what is okay, uh, but what's best in life. And, and so again, I, I think I think I'll have to just sit on this one until we can maybe add it to another uh, podcast. Maybe make it an episode type yeah, deal or something seriously. like that. Yeah, I think you kind of covered that. I don't really have anything else to add to that conversation. I mean, it really you have to look at: Am I taking everything the Bible says, or am I just going to take part of it, what I'm comfortable with, or do I have to accept all of it and just give that part of my life over to God, or am I just going to live this on my own? Awesome, awesome. So. uh I don't really have very many more questions or any more questions. Um, do you guys have anything that you'd just like to offer up before I do our little closing statements here? Uh, no, I don't. I would like to say that we've talked a lot about uh, what's socially acceptable and, and about God and about what he wants for our life and things like that. And I just want to say that if you want to find out what what God really wants, just go read his word. Go go read the gospels and, and find out who Jesus was and and compare what he says in, in the different things that he talks about to these questions because all the answers are in there. Mm-hmm. And we very well could have gotten something wrong. Go check what we had to say against the Bible and, and see what Jesus has to say about it. Yeah, yes. don't just take our word for it. Go Outstanding. Do yeah. some research. Yeah, I love that. I've always, uh, when I was in my thuggish, ruggish years, I, I always would say, you know that uh, uh, to me, you could go to a pastor that got everything completely wrong. It, it at the very least should push you to go home and find it for yourself, anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, if you're in one of my messages, then you really need to do that. So, mm-hmm. check it out. So, what yeah. is ruggish? By uh, yeah. the way? Well, it's a, it's a North Tulsa thing. You <laughs> oh, okay. understand? You understand so, it. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> so, uh, so the only thing that I would like to add to that is this crazy situation last night where I'm kind of preparing for today and and looking through uh, the truth aspects and trying to make it more concise and not try to say things that give you the NASCAR sound, you know. (laughs) And and so I'm on YouTube, maybe looking at some resources and things like that. And all of a sudden, I see this new post uh, on the uh, Ravi Zacharias channel. And and his message that's up there is truth in a time of crisis. No way. Way. And so, from us. I, 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 of course, I'm like getting an adrenaline rush just talking about it and everything. And so he says at the very beginning of this message, I'll, I'll close with this, is this, if there is a tragedy in our times as to why the church may have failed this particular generation is we have not given them them the truth in the way the truth ought to be given because oftentimes we stand to gain by not giving them the complete truth wow mm. i know it's a big fear of mine you know i'm, I'm the director of this place uh i don't I, I really honestly try to say that attendance doesn't matter to me um but uh there is a part of you that is afraid to speak total truth um from the bible because you're afraid it'll, it'll run people off, you know? And, uh, that's, that's one of those things I've really got to pray about on a regular basis. Uh, you know, I've, I, I talk it over with my wife and my family and they give me advice on how to, uh, do it different ways, uh, and things. And, um, so I, I get it, man. And it's, uh, he's so right. And that's, he's talking to this generation. That's his specialty, right? Is, is young adults and things. So, so, uh, man, I, uh, I really appreciate you guys. I don't, I don't know if this is, awful or awesome um i know i had a ball doing it oh yeah yeah Uh, so i'm really fired up to see what happens uh to see if it gets out there to see if it's just us four that listens to it but (laughs) um so social acceptance like so many things that go against biblical truth or at least try to gray the area has spread at a rapid rate when i was in high school and college we knew premarital sex drinking too much and partying were sinful not accepted don't get me wrong we did it anyway and honestly, hope Jesus didn't come back before we had changed our ways. 
I lived in this fear for 26 long years. But nowadays, I feel like most people don't even think twice about whether it is acceptable in the eyes of God. I think they believe that the Bible was written in a time when those people needed these kinds of rules or commandments in place. Like the Bible is no longer relevant. Well, at the AMP station and in the Trend or Truth podcast, we are going to talk about the Bible being the truth for then and for now. Never changing, never compromising, just waiting for us to embrace the power of what lies in this amazing book. And how, if we'll dive into it, God will begin to change our hearts, our minds, and our souls day by day in his awesome and amazing ways. Please reach out and let us know the tough subjects you'd like to, for us to tackle on the show. Thanks again for joining us on Trend or Truth. I hope and pray you will join us again and share our podcast with your friends and family. Thank you for listening to the Trend or Truth podcast. This podcast is recorded out of the AMP station in Claremore, Oklahoma. AMP is a Christian ministry geared towards college students and young adults with an emphasis on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. If you like what you heard, consider becoming a subscriber so you don't miss out on a single episode. We release new entries every Monday. Also, rate and review this podcast on iTunes and share it on social media. Once again, thank you for joining us today, and we'll talk to you next time.